Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Hello and welcome, everyone. Welcome to a special post-FOMC China Shop update. I'm Shopkeeper Dan. With me, as always, is Kyle, creator of FinancialInstitute.com. Kyle, we're joined today by a special guest you want to introduce? You want to do the introduction? No. No, you're so good at it. I can't. I don't do it justice. Eric fucking Smolinski, badass Muay Thai kickboxing, ex-Marine stock trader extraordinaire. How are you doing today, Eric? ES Invests. My ear hurts, dude. <laughs> I think I was actually just thinking about it, man. I think Bruce Buffer might be in trouble with you on the scene now. Oh, I don't get that reference. Is that a comic book thing? Bruce Buffer. He's like the big announcer for the UFC and most like big combative sports events. He is like the most distinct. If you listen to Bruce Buffer announcements, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Is it going to upset you if I tell you that I don't really do, uh, I don't really watch too much uh, MMA? It doesn't upset me at all. You were in the Navy, so I know that you guys are mostly pacifists. So uh, I'm, I, uh, I've been a fan of boxing. <laughs> no, it's starting to shit. I'm a coward. I, I run away from, from all fights. I don't, I, I uh, call it the knee sense. elbow. That, yeah, that, well, that's, that's, that's the right move anyways, man, because like fools out there are wild and then you never know who knows what. And yeah, I think that the best choice is to giddy up on the mole two feet and move on out somewhere else. Yeah, Here, here's here's a reenactment of the last time somebody tried to start a fight with me in a bar. I'm going to kick the fucking shit out of you. Yeah, you probably will. And end of conflict. <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah. yeah. Another another yeah. favorite of another favorite of mine is um, you know, like what's your fucking problem? And my normal response to it is like, dude, you want to get naked? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Nothing happens Let's wrestle that. ancient Greek style. If next, you're time, man. next time try uh I just want to be loved. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> What a fantastic way to start this show. Apparently, something happened in the markets today. I wasn't paying attention, but down, up, down. I have the big news, and it is. Uh, it, was, it shocked me. I couldn't believe it when I saw it this morning. Um, apparently, uh, we should not be using NyQuil to cook chicken. The FDA has taken a firm stance on this and is calling for everybody to to stop this practice. Wait, there goes my recipe. What? No, no more NyQuil chicken. Nope, yeah. no more NyQuil chicken. It's too dangerous. Oh my god! Well, why? How else am I going to fight my cold? I don't know. I was getting sleepy just watching somebody cook it. <laughs> like, Jesus! <laughs> is that is that a real headline, Kyle? That's a real thing. Yeah, my oh wife god. was telling me about Hold that on, before we started kidding. recording here. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I'll see if I can find I, the FDA tweet. Dude, I'm looking that up right now. That is if I, that's. Wild. Okay. All right. All right. As long as I can still have my Benadryl crusted steaks, I'll be okay. 
They did oh, also shit. say not to overdo it on antihistamines trying to hallucinate. Okay, so we'll just name it the Federal Don't Have Fun Anymore Commission. The Anti-Dan Commission. Yeah, right? The fuck Dan's... Uh, <laughs> uh, damn it, I forgot the A. <laughs> Shut. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I'm reading about this, dude. I'm my my mouth is I'm like my jaw is open. I can't believe this. You know what's funny is now that it's a news article, so many more people are gonna try Nyquil chicken. Well, look, here's the thing: like using Nyquil is just a dumb idea. Like you want your chicken to be clean, right? So what I use is hand sanitizer. That makes the most sense. Like that's the best base. Yeah, kill all the germs. Exactly. Kill all the germs. Plus, to get a nice flambe with it. Oh, ooh! Now we're talking. Two bowls in a china shop does not recommend anybody use (laughs) any of these recipes. (laughs) You want that chicken to be nice and pink in the middle, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're about four minutes into it. We haven't even mentioned FOMC. Yeah. No, I mentioned it in the intro. We're good. We're good. Oh, you did. Okay, good. Yeah. 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 All right. So, what happened? What did the Fed say today? Or what did they? Let's start off with the the big news. I mean, they they stuck with the seventy five bips, which is what we were kind of speculating. We thought that the they were maybe uh, uh, like introducing the idea of a hundred bip just to try to make it look more bullish when they come out with what they've been planning to do this whole time. But the the comments were not very not very dovish. That's one way to put it. <laughs> You've got the transcript there. Like, what are some of the things that stuck out uh, that you saw? Man, th- th- there's a ton. There's every time they come out with these conversations, there's such a like drastic input to the market. Um, and the you can find the transcript for anybody that's interested. It's on federalreserve.gov. And essentially, you could just look up the FOMC press conference and they'll have the whole transcript there, the presentation materials. And I always like to go through that because, you know, you you can take some time and digest some of the things that they're talking about. And one of my my all time favorite lines that he that he said was, um, trust me. Our tightening will be enough to bring inflation down to 2%. It will be enough. (laughs) So nothing like rallying the troops there. And I I was looking at the dot plots. Hang on. Before you do that, I got to comment on a a quote I saw from somebody else. Uh, This is James Abate, the chief investment officer at Center Asset Management. Uh, He was quoted as saying, the Fed created this situation by keeping rates too low for too long. So now they're being forced to take a more aggressive approach. They're like an arsonist who works as a volunteer firefighter. He can be looked at like a champion for putting out a fire they started. Big tech is a group that will continue to bleed for the foreseeable future. At best, it will match the market's performance at worst it underperforms i literally love that analogy (laughs) (laughs) my favorite things i've heard also jane edmondson the ceo of eqm capital uh, i'm just going to paraphrase this she was pointing out that uh, housing is a perfect example because that was one of the biggest increases in the cpi for august which is being driven by higher interest rates so she does not have much confidence that the fed's actions are going to be the cure for inflation and she's saying that maybe four or five percent is the new normal at least short term yeah well it's it's actually that 100 percent aligns with the the change in the dot plots too and yeah for anybody that's not familiar um it's kind of like um, astrology for the Fed. <laughs> <laughs> but realistically, the predictive capacity of the dot plot legitimately, it sucks. It's not good. And we know that. 
But the thing that we can use the dot plot for, in my opinion, is an understanding of sentiment and how, you know, the, the Fed is thinking. Right. And in June of 2022, the highest opinion for rates was about three and a quarter. Who was that? Um, I don't know who it was. There was only. Oh, OK. They don't put the names. They, they do. I just don't have um, the like the list of votes on the dot plot. I just have the plots themselves. Ah, gotcha. And but most of them like critical mass actually lived shy of two percent. It was mm-hmm. like one and three quarters. And then now looking at the dot plot from September, literally between four and four and a half percent is where everybody except two are. Oh, so there's been a huge paradigm shift in general consensus among the Fed on where they think rates will likely live. But the federal funds rate, especially into the end of 2022 into 2023, is freaking high. And in 2023, it's above four and a quarter for literally all of them, just shy of 5%. More pain. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think that comes as necessarily a huge surprise to anybody because the Fed has been fairly consistent in this messaging about combating inflation. I think mm-hmm. a big part of their approach so far is we are in an election year. And as much as we may not want to you know, acknowledge the impacts of politics with government, it is there. And the last thing that the federal government would want right now in general is to completely blow the stock market out. (laughs) Right. That just never is a great headline. No. So it seems like they've been kind of slow rolling this out. And I'm sure there's other reasons. I I just, that's something I kind of thought quite a bit about. But I mean, if they're talking about, you know, 4% plus into 2023, they're buckling in for the long haul. Uh, so the, yeah, the beatings will continue until morale improves, right? That's exactly it. <laughs> we will continue smacking the market with these rate hikes until it behaves. Which, I mean, realistically <laughs> speaking, you know, the, the Fed has been so clear that they don't really care about the stock market right now. And, and rightfully so. They're trying to get inflation. They're trying to get, you know, economic functions under control. And the stock market has done well. So I think that they're willingly putting that in a backseat. But I think the bigger problem here is the impact on the global economy as the dollar gets stronger. That mm-hmm. is going to be a huge issue. And if it continues down this path, you know, it just the ability for emerging, emerging countries to service their debt in the U.S. dollar is going to be a huge problem. Also, that stymies uh, international trade, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because most of it is going to be regulated via the dollar. So Mm -hmm. yeah. And I mean, it's nothing like seeing a good old CPI beat and then just interest rate raise the next week. I think it all looks great. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, Did the quantitative tightening, has that started? Let's see that started this month, right? Yeah. Where they actually are, is that where they're actually reducing assets from the balance sheet or are they still just letting them drop off? No, they're going to start actively reducing. I think it's something to the tune of like, oh, let me see. I don't want to give you guys bad info. That's how we operate. Yeah. <laughs> just off of, you're new here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're new just here. Say whatever you think. It's okay. 
like, oh, Look, well, we're just my, going off the conjecture. <laughs> I feel like my house is worth $500,000 today. So that's what it's going to be valued at. You sound like yeah. Donald Trump. <laughs> you sound like all the people on Twitter that are trying to, I see so many people on Twitter talking about their like net worth. And my favorite part of here, they're using like five digits as they're talking about their net worth. Right? They're like, oh, my net worth dropped $47,000 over the last two weeks. Here are five things you could do to make more money. And I'm thinking like, Bro, I don't want to listen to you to make more money. You're the last person. You're tracking the net worth in five digits. <laughs> so it looks like before COVID, net supply on Treasury is about $500 billion. And during COVID, it went up to $1.5 trillion. They've started... Obviously, we, we know that they already stopped accumulation. And I think this is when they're starting to um, offload. So it looks like it could drop by two and a half trillion in July. That quantitative tightening would last between two, two and a half years. Mm -hmm. So that means that over the course of that time, it's going to contract about two and a half trillion. Wow. Yeah, buddy. So it doesn't sound like good times are ahead. No, it, what that sounds like to me a hell of a lot like is liquidity in an extremely important market is about to just dissipate just gone see ya disappear yeah and we all know that when liquidity dries up that's when everybody behaves completely rationally <laughs> and there's no panic so it's really good that we have that as a you know rock solid backstop but there will be no <laughs> panicking whatsoever very critical the fed <laughs> if you were in I, charge what would you do I really do not like sounding like I'm bad mouthing them because Oh, I know, I'm just teasing you. Yeah, cuz I was going to say at the end of the day, I really do not like armchair quarterbacking. I really mm -hmm. do believe like the man in the arena has the big problem and the Fed they did realistically a masterful job avoiding an economic collapse during COVID. So I will give them credit for that. The tricky part, though, is understanding we've never done what we've just done before. Yeah. So we don't know how this story ends. And I think that we're trying to figure out. Yeah, I think we're trying to figure out, you know, what what's next from this point, because I think the balance sheet is going to start contracting by like 90 billion a month. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just. We don't exactly understand how all these forces are going to exert on the market and the global economy. And I keep saying the global economy. I'm not a fucking economist. I hardly can spell my name right. But, you know, the, the more I, I see just different trends for different countries in terms of what their debt payments are, how they're servicing the debt. And then I see stuff like this where, you know, the dollar is very likely going to get stronger. Uh, that just reminds me of like a good old buckle up buttercup. But... You know, the summation is I don't think I could do any better than the Fed because I'm a fucking idiot and I probably would have just left and said, okay, guys, have fun. Um, <laughs> just I'm taking my ball on. and going home. I feel like the government does best when it does the least. <laughs> the less they do, the better they do. Dan, what would, what would you do, Dan? What would I, I personally do? Yeah, if you were in charge, if they made you FOMC president, like if you were Jerome Powell, what would you have been doing this whole time? Oh, I, I was, I mean, I personally, and this, this is like a fucking shitty answer and I'm, I apologize to everybody, but I felt like they should have stopped the quantitative easing. They should have stopped buying assets. I don't know. 
a couple of years after 2009 was over <laughs> rather than continuing it for you know 12 <laughs> for <a decade>. years <laughs> <laughs> um they painted themselves in a corner uh i don't i don't think i'd be doing anything different like they've got they've got to they've got to start unloading that balance sheet or or just say this is the new normal and the government's going to continually buy this shit forever now like this is just what we do i don't think it's sustainable to keep buying forever though is it agreed <laughs> well, it is <laughs> i mean you it, just make up money out of nothing and it's I, not tied to point. anything <laughs> the printer just goes burn right <laughs> just set up another printer yeah, right we just need a second printer Oh, no, no. Uh, I, I, we, we actually looked into it once. Uh, there are no like rich economists from from stock trading and mm-hmm. asset trading. Right. So, so we're we're really too wealth. I'm more interested in wealth creation. I don't think there's any economic solution here that doesn't involve pain. Mm-hmm. There's no way out. They painted themselves into a corner. Anything that we could say now is too late. It's too late. Right. It's too late. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they're walking that, they're trying to walk that tightrope where they know that they probably got started raising interest rates, uh, one or two quarters too late, mm-hmm. uh, if, if that much. So now they're like, they know they got to raise them like crazy, but if they raise them too fast, you know, they are going to push everything over the brink. But I think, I don't think, I do not believe there is a path out of this into a soft landing. I just don't think that's right. possible. So I, uh, like Eric, I would just throw my hands up and be like, fuck it, you guys take care of this. I know, I would just quit. I think that'd be my, <laughs> like, oh, fuck this. <laughs> you guys got it. <laughs> I'm looking at the uh, just rate changes and it's fascinating because in March we started with, you know, 25 basis points, then 50 and then we've been rocking and rolling on 75. And one of the things I would truly, truly like to understand is why we started with 25 bips. Right. And, you know, joking aside, I'm sure, you know, yeah, I, I think there's got to be some element of just trying not to shock the system, scaling in. But, you know, I they, they're smart people, man. You know what I mean? Like, they, I know that they're smart people. They're far smarter than I am. But I just don't understand that. 25 basis point original raise. I think everybody that I respect their economic opinion of was, they were all saying, Let, let's just do a percent. Let's just, you know, come out of the gate hard mm-hmm. and try to get ahead of this thing. And I really, really would love to understand why we started so easy. I'm sure there's a reason somewhere. I just don't know it. Well, I still question whether or not interest rates are going to bring inflation down anyway. Which is a great point. That That is literally one of the absolute greatest points somebody could make. I, I do think it will be a part of it just because as liquidity dries up, um, supply and demand as a function will, will adjust to that. But, you know just how much of an effect will it have? That's that's another great question. And that's one of the trickiest things I think about inflation to continue talking about something that I know absolutely nothing about is a lot of times like inflation begets more inflation. Mm-hmm. So as we look over the past 40 years, interest rates have been part of the equation, but I think it's difficult to say that by themselves, ceteris paribus, everything else remaining the same, interest rate would make it happen. I, I think it's part of a toolkit. Realistically, the Fed in this kind of scenario doesn't necessarily have a ton of tools in the toolkit. I think they're just, you know, taking the hammer to everything. I would like to to posit a, a, maybe almost a reframing of inflation here and see what you gentlemen have to think. Hmm. 
to me, it, it occurs to me that it may be possible that inflation is entirely an emotional reaction. And unless we're living in a world where it's fascistly controlled and like, this is how much things cost and no one will sell it for more. We're always going to find those tulip bulb situations where instead of a tulip being worth what a tulip is reasonably worth, we find ourselves emotionally panicking into situations where, hey, there's no toilet paper. Well, it's not It's not that people were running out of toilet paper. Everybody started freaking out thinking we were going to run out. Yeah. And so they all ran out and started buying it. And all of a sudden, now we're out of toilet paper. And I feel like maybe inflation is like that. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Like we all start yep. to get freaked out and emotional about it, and 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 that has this cascading effect across businesses raising their prices, maybe uh, to get ahead of inflation, and it's causing inflation. Like I, I wonder if it if the the solution isn't some sort of uh, calm, rational calming down of people. It's just we need everybody to stop buying. Is what it sounds like. Just stop buying stuff. Everybody, stay home for a week. Don't buy anything. See what Get that inflation down. See if they uh, they ease up on this. <laughs> That's what I would do. I'd appeal to everyone's patriotism, tell them to stop buying shit. Oh, nice. Force no, feed them anxiety drugs. That works too. Nice. Is everybody taking their Valium today? <laughs> Valium chicken. Never mind the night chicken. <laughs> Valium chicken. Bring it right back around. <laughs> uh, well, I don't think we have time. I wanted to posit one other thing, or at least point out one other shitty. One thing that really kind of rubs me the wrong way is like their goal to controlling inflation is to increase unemployment. Like, am I understanding that right? How shitty is that, that we need people to lose their jobs and be out of work? Yeah, that's, it's a, it's an interesting way to frame it. Like I, I obviously, I don't personally consider the goal being necessarily that, but I do understand why you would say that. Well, the comments look too similar like that. Unemployment is still too low. We need that number higher. Like, well, right. that's not just but, a number. Those are people. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it feels so cold to say it like that. I think that's where I bristle at it. Yeah, I, I guess. I, I approach this stuff just from, like, a very pragmatic, like, thought right. process. You know what I mean? And, like, they're trying to control the good of the many and to try to figure out the best outcome for the many. So I do get it, but it's like the same thing in the military, man. You know, like sometimes you have to make decisions that you know are not going to bode well for a subset of the people. And you just have to make that decision because that is what the the greater mission requires. So yeah, I get it. I totally understand your perspective. It's just, yeah, it's shitty. But for them, I, I just imagine when you look at this stuff all the time, you become data driven. And I, I feel like, you know, the labor market has been really strong. Mm-hmm. It's been really strong. So but yeah, I, I don't I don't blame you for feeling that way. It is it's tricky. <laughs> Uh, so what uh, what does it look like we got in store for the next cycle? When's the next the next meeting is in November, right? Beginning of November. Yeah, let's figure out the next date. I think it's November first, second. So it looks like. And if that was wrong, please cut that. Yeah. <laughs> so it looks like yeah, November first, second. So no, yes! you nailed it. Good. I have no, memory. I didn't need it. Nailed it. <laughs> um. Yeah. Save so time, man. <laughs> You're welcome in advance. <laughs> um. Yeah. So it looks like it's the first and second, and then again, for anybody that's listening, you can get all of that stuff from the Federal Reserve. Gov. They have like a a meeting uh, calendar. We'll have links in the episode description. Okay. Cool. Then yeah. I, I will stop fucking saying them. No. No. Keep saying it because people don't read that. <laughs> <laughs> 
which I guess is also fair. <laughs> <laughs> what was the website again? I, I don't even remember. FOMC. Gov. Yeah, it's the same one as before. So if you go to federalreserve.gov, uh, there's a search bar in the top right. If you just drop in FOMC, it kind of takes you to the to the FOMC um, house. But so already looking at target rate probabilities for the two two nov meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, it's looking like thirty six and a half percent for a three fifty to three seventy five target rate. That's in basis points, and then a sixty three and a half percent. Or 375 to 400 basis points. Where are we right now? So after the most recent raise, oh, hold on one sec, because I want to make sure that the that those probabilities make sense. So they, yeah, so they took the target, uh, they took the target federal funds rate um, to three to three and a quarter percent. So somewhere between 300 and three, um, 325 uh, basis points. So the next meeting is looking like at least, at the very least, 25 basis points, but more likely than not, um, probably 50, 50 plus. Mm-hmm. So it could be another 75 bips raise. At least right now, that's what the probabilities are, are favoring because the current target rate is 300 or three and a quarter. Gotcha. So the, the I think the reason why that stuff's really noteworthy for me is as I think about this series of tightening, the bond market, in my opinion, does a lot of the tightening already. Mm-hmm. However, with these additional injections, I think it amplifies what we see in the bond market. So the further we go down this path, it's it's like a train. You know what I mean? Like the train is getting up to speed. And then if we try to slow this train down, then there's going to be, we're going to be talking about deflation. And you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like the propensity for whipsaw when we're at and getting close to extremes is pretty high. But again, I would literally take everything I say with the largest grain of salt because <laughs> I am a fucking idiot. So, <laughs> well, I, we did come across a story uh, just last week where Kathy Wood and Elon Musk and uh, one other guy, I can't remember his name, were all three making that very argument of if we're not careful, we're going to whipsaw to deflation. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're predicting. Oh, great. Now I'm in the company of Kathy Wood. Yeah. funds are doing so well. Love, love that. So I think if there was any way to reaffirm my assertion that I'm a fucking idiot, I think we just hit it on the head. Oh, wow. That, yeah. I, say that, I say that in jest. I think Kathy's yeah. actually really smart, obviously. Yep. Don't worry. She doesn't listen. But the yeah, funds right. aren't doing well. So <laughs> let me, let's be honest about that part. Yeah, Kathy Wood reaches out to complain. We're doing all right. I would take her in a heartbeat. (laughs) (laughs) Come on in, Kathy, if you're listening. Defend yourself. Come on, step up, Kathy. Oh, no, I'd kiss her ass if she showed up here. Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah. What do you mean? (laughs) We're like such an esteemed group of people. Listen, the first big name that we get that shows up here, we are going to kiss their ass and try to be their best friend for the rest of their existence, or at least as long as they're famous. Well, I'm, I'm until we get famous and then I'm waiting waiting for the ass kissing then (laughs) because I'm, I'm here. (laughs) Do you you know who the fuck Eric Smolinski is? Kyle, come on. Didn't we kiss him? We we made a whole nother special uh, program just for him. That's, that's That's ass kissing, isn't it? I guess that's true. I, I did just, uh, <laughs> you called yourself an idiot. I did just say, well, you're as dumb as Kathy Wood and Elon Musk. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's good company. 
Yeah, we just have to like modify the ass kissing so that it's actually ass kissing instead of just okay. doubling down on me being stupid. So, uh, before, before we go, Eric, I would like to hear more about your amazing penis and all of the people you've pleased with it. Oh, Jesus. Please don't put that in. Oh. <laughs> all right, Dan, this is going a lot longer than we usually go. Uh, we have any thoughts to leave anybody with? What's on tap for tomorrow? Tomorrow we usually have Q&As, don't we? Don't we usually have speakers? They got the commercial paper tomorrow. Selected interest rates, factor factors affecting reserve balances. Jobless claims is coming out tomorrow. That would be a really good one for you guys to talk mm. about. Oh, your yeah, we'll your own con- consumer confidence is coming out. That'll be super important. Ah, I don't know if I care about the. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we love our friends across the sea. Well, really, it's it's more from a selfish perspective to see how bad what we're doing is affecting them. <laughs> oh, right. Because ergo, it comes back to us. Yeah, it's kind of sucks to be in our position. It's like the downside of like having everybody like look to you or being the leaders of everything. Not, yeah, I wouldn't say it sucks at all, man. Because at the end of the day, like we still got fucking electricity. Nobody's, you know, getting invaded over here. So yep. I love my indoor toilet. I there do you too. go. Dan's toilet. You just don't have any toilet paper. <laughs> All right, that's another callback. We got to end on that one. Okay. All right, folks. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for sticking around. I hope you had a good time and maybe learned a thing or two. I know I did. Thank you so much, Eric, for uh, coming back and joining us. This has been great. We got to do it again soon. Mm-hmm. And uh, until then, if you like it, well, well if you like uh, if you like what Eric's got to say, make sure you check him out over at ES Invest. Uh, he's got the website at esinvest.com or the YouTube channel ES YouTube? Invest. Yes. YouTube. Thank you, guys. And uh, also shiny Twitter. We are now friends. Oh, wait, no, right. never mind. you weren't the one who created Twitter just for us. Never mind. <laughs> or if you Twitter. did and got 5,000 followers in the first week, I'd be very je- jealous. There I go. <laughs> uh, sorry, Dan. Fantastic. Didn't mean to cut you off again. No, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. It's a running gag now. Oh, <laughs> uh, it is. That episode just aired. Anyway, all right, folks. We'll be coming back at you soon with an exciting, uh, exciting episode. I think the roundtable is coming out next. Uh, but until then, Happy trades. Bye, everybody. See you guys. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.